Warning, this episode contains details that some listeners may find disturbing. Directly after the First World War, women were known to disappear in and around Berlin. Over time, body parts were discovered in the waters of the Lusenstadt Canal and the Engelbecken Reservoir. Then, in 1921, screams were heard coming from local beggar and butcher Carl Grossman's apartment. It was not uncommon for such sounds to emanate from this one-room flat in the slums of Berlin, but neighbors had had enough. Police were called, and they busted in, and they caught Grossman in the act of dismembering a woman's body. And there were signs that this was not his first or only victim. This is a study of strange. Welcome to the show. I'm Michael May, and today I'm joined by Sarah Lovett from True Crime ABC's podcast. Hi, Sarah. Hi. Well, thank you so much for being on. You uh, you probably know more about true crime than I do. I like strange stories, but you guys have really dived into a lot of stuff on your podcast. Can you tell the audience some some info about True Crime ABC's? Sure. Um, my best friend from childhood and I talk about all of the true crime things that kept us, you know, that occupied our fears as children. <laughs> and um, I feel like it's like our coping mechanism. Like if you're super afraid of something, you learn all about it. So yeah, we're both like nerds for knowledge. And it's just been a fun thing to do. And, and I, I yeah. just imagine this like logo of nerds for knowledge, like flashing across <laughs> the screen in 1980s style. <laughs> yes. The more you know, but nerds for knowledge. Absolutely. No, I love your I love your show and you guys have gone through the ABCs, hence the, yes. the title of the podcast. What letter are you we up have. to right now? So we recorded V uh last week. Okay. It goes up tomorrow. Um and, it's and what did what did V stand ride. for? V was for vampire. Oh my goodness, um, a vampire episode. I, yeah. I was always obsessed with Elizabeth. Elizabeth Bautry, the blood mm -hmm. countess. Yeah, yeah. Um, late 1500s. And uh, Danny did a Canadian, a more modern Canadian story about a young girl who was preyed on upon by a not young guy. And Ooh. they claimed they were, well, he claimed he was a werewolf. She claimed she was a vampire. It was a big thing. And they like, some familiacide occurred. It was a wild ride. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so everybody check out True Crime ABCs. It's a very good show, and it ties in nicely because I got a true crime slash murdery story to share today about Carl Grossman from the early 20th century in Germany. He was also known as the Berlin Butcher. There's a few other nicknames I came across too, um, but the Berlin Butcher, I think, is the main one that mm -hmm. he's often referred to. Do you have any knowledge about Carl Grossman? I am well aware that uh, Carl Grossman is aptly named and <laughs> trigger warning if you like hot dogs, people. Exactly. Or I guess it would be because <laughs> it wouldn't be hot dogs in Germany. This is one of the things about my research I didn't like is it's oh, always yeah. like he, he had a hot dog stand. I'm like, I doubt it was actually <laughs> no, he didn't. hot dogs. <laughs> he had like a real sausage stand, I'm yeah. sure. But exactly. Which sounds like a euphemism for something, but it's not. It's not. It's not. 
yeah, so <laughs> we're going to dive into some Carl Grossman talk today. He was a serial killer, as we've already mentioned. It's often thought of and referred to as him being a cannibal or serving human meat to patrons. Whether that was real or not, there's actually some debate, and we'll discuss that throughout the episode, because there is a lot of not true facts about Carl Grossman yeah. floating around out there, which is my favorite thing. I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted to right. do this story. Well, and I think, too, with like old-timey stories, you fall into that realm, too, of like they there was nothing else to do, so they were just putting wild stuff into the newspaper. So. Absolutely. No, cl- clickbait is a term we use now. But it's very yep. true for back then too. They wanted the clickbait, t- you know, title. You don't click yep. on it, you would pay money and get a newspaper for it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, a lot of that comes from back then. And, and nowadays, my listeners have probably heard me talk about this way too much. But <laughs> everything's an echo chamber. So if you read an article about Carl Grossman and it says that he was a cannibal or served human meat, then you'll find another article that references the first article right. instead of like going back to real historical record or old newspapers mm-hmm. of the time. And it just becomes this cyclical thing of everybody confirming each other, but no one's actually an expert on the on the subject. Right. Good old fashioned confirmation bias. Exactly. So <laughs> Carl Grossman was a German in the early 20th century. Uh, we refer to this era of Germany as the Weimar Republic. I found I didn't know this until researching this episode. That is actually a term that came about later because it's what Hitler would refer to Germany as from this era. They did not call themselves the Weimar (laughs) Republic. Yeah, lovely. Uh, A lot of the story crosses over with World War One, and we'll discuss how the war torn country and the standard of living and how hard life was at the time may have contributed to some grisly, grisly crimes from Mr. Carl Grossman. Mm And the goal today, I just wanted to learn more about Grossman because I've read a little bit about him over the years and try to confirm or not confirm some information about the gentleman. Although I shouldn't call him a gentleman because he's a terrible, terrible person. He's an awful, awful human. Yes. So who is Carl Grossman here? I'll give a, a little background on this guy. Carl Friedrich Wilhelm Grossman was born on December 13th in 1863 in a town in the German Empire. Grossman grew up in a time of significant industrial and social change in Germany. Details about his early life are somewhat sparse, but it's known that he displayed disturbing behavior at a young age and may have had a lot of siblings. I've read like 10 siblings, 11 siblings, Mm -hmm. which honestly was not super uncommon for people born in 1863. By the time he was 20, he had his first known run-in with the law when he was arrested for begging. When he was 23, he was arrested for uh, a lewd sexual act with a sheep. (laughs) Yep. Good for you, Carl. Good for you, buddy. And at 24, (laughs) he sexually assaulted a 12-year-old girl. And it gets worse from there, ladies and gentlemen. Before he was 30, he had been convicted of crimes 25 times. And the last conviction sent him to prison for 15 years, and that was for two more sexual assaults of young children. When World War I began years later, the context of that war, the state of Europe, provided the perfect petri dish of sorts for a serial criminal to become a serial killer. And I don't mean like he would eat a lot of cereals. He was killing that cereal. (laughs) I mean... He would become a serial killer. Uh, do you have any questions so far, Sarah? Any anything I'm missing or questions? Um, about I don't know if you're going to mention this later, or if even you know it, or if even it's knowable. But 
As far as like, so he got 15 years at one point. Did he serve that full 15? Or I don't know how German jail yeah. goes, but I assume it's not great. No, it can't be great. No, I don't know. I actually couldn't find any corroborating evidence to find any information about any of his convictions. So how long he was in jail? Was he really convicted for 25 crimes? I actually can't confirm. It is one of those, it is commented on so many times, including in some German media that I think since Mm -hmm. they're a little closer to it, I do trust that he did go to prison and, and those crimes he committed are very real. I just don't know for how long or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. I do, and I think it was right around 1900 he went to prison for that conviction. So if he did serve his full time, he's getting out right when the First World War is is commencing in Europe. Right, and that time period does kind of line up with everything else that we know, because uh, there are varying accounts about him being associated with the military during the First World War. One is that he was kicked out because he was so weird and gross that they're just like, we're like, no, dude, get out of here. But <laughs> the uh, the other account, which I believe is that because of his criminal record, he wasn't actually allowed to join the military. Right. So I, I do think during the war, he did not fight. He was not on the front. He he may right. have been associated with the military in some capacity, but he did not fight. And uh, And that's kind of key for the story because- Around this time is apparently when he became a butcher by trade. And I don't know when he started his quote unquote hot dog stand that they talk about, <laughs> but it's around this time that he's he's probably selling meat uh, around Berlin and, and right. actually working. Comfortable as, with knives. Comfortable with knives, things. cutting meat. Yeah. And the butcher thing, it adds some pizzazz to this story uh, for reasons that are probably very evident that we will get into the more we go <laughs> forward. Uh, and, and it's important to note here that food during the war, it was rationed, as you would expect. Mm-hmm. And meat especially was really hard to come by during the war. That The meat that was available, they'd want to use it for soldiers and protein and all that stuff. So selling meat on a black market of sorts could become a lucrative business model for, for a butcher. And killing people and selling meat as their human meat as a sausage or whatever, that's where that kind of comes into this story because it actually makes sense. Even though there's right. no evidence for it. Yeah. But it makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense. Now, it's unclear when exactly Carl Grossman moved to his apartment that he's famous for, but it was around the same period as World War One or during the end of it. But he lived in the slums of Berlin on Langestrasse. By the way, I will mispronounce everything. I do work at it. And I still mispronounce everything, <laughs> but I do try. Yeah, same. Um, yeah, so he lived on on Langestrasse in a one room apartment. This is near the Silesian train station. Again, I'm probably saying that terribly, terribly wrong, and I mean no offense by that. And I will point this out. I found this out yesterday because I was like, let me do my deep dive on these extraneous <laughs> details that I like to do because yeah. I'm super nerdy. That train mm-hmm. station, okay. if I have my information correct, I have been to this train station. And Wild. Ne- yeah, it's it's got a different name now, um, and. It's been rebuilt and it looks nothing like it did back then. You can find pictures of what it looked like back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's a train station I have been through in Germany about uh, right before COVID. I think the year before COVID hit us all. That's so, crazy. Yeah, yeah. So I've been in this area. It's very different nowadays. And I love Berlin. I want to go back. It's an amazing city. Mm-hmm. So although he was a butcher by trade, I will say that after the war, he actually preferred to just beg. He was He was a beggar. And that's what he preferred to do. 
And even though you hear stories of him being a butcher during the time of his murders, and he's called the Berlin Butcher, there's actually no evidence to say that he was still a butcher at the end of the war. He may have right. just been a beggar. Um, maybe he was a beggar. And, and Berlin sometimes Beggar is also alliterative. Why didn't they just go and with yeah, Berlin Beggar? The Berlin Beggar. The butcher and Berlin Beggar. You can combine them, even though it mm-hmm. kind of ruins the whole point of that. Uh, <laughs> uh, what's interesting to me is that even though he was primarily begging, he was making enough money to pay his rent. And he was even known to loan money to his neighbors when they needed help covering rent. So he was doing Wild. quite okay. It's no wonder he wanted to beg instead of butchering because he seemed to be doing okay by it. Now, at this time as well, he was known to hang out at the train station. And he would find mm-hmm. women who were single, needed money, needed work, needed a place to stay. And he would try to convince them to come work for him, be his housekeeper. And in return, they would have a place to live. Sometimes he would offer them money. Sometimes it was just a place to stay and some food. And part of this arrangement was that he also wanted sex with them as well. So be my live-in housekeeper and and have sex with me. And he was known to bring a lot of women home. Na- neighbors and witnesses talk about this a lot. He would come home late. Which he is would surprising because he was not a good-looking fella. That's a good point, Sarah. I think everybody... If you're able to, if you're not like driving a car or something, <laughs> Google <laughs> Google Carl Grossman. He is not a good looking dude. But I think part of that goes into this backdrop of post-war Berlin. Like poverty you know? and necessity for sure. Like Absolutely. And I'm People sure he was I'm sure he was not preying on wealthy, put together looking hu- other people. I'm sure he was no. looking for people who looked like they needed help. Which is super gross, Carl. Still gross. Still gross. And and if you think about, you know, that post-war thing, there are a lot of desperate people that need help. Some of these women may have lost their families. They don't have parents. They don't have brothers. They don't have sisters anymore. There's nowhere to work. Um, Yeah, it is. It is very real that this situation, the war, the world, Berlin. It all really gave the perfect situation for uh, for a killer like Grossman to commit mm-hmm. crimes. Now, neighbors, as much as he did loan money to them, he also would sometimes hang out at bars. He was a heavy drinker. He would sometimes hang out with his neighbors. So he wasn't as much of a loner as some accounts make him out to be. But his neighbors were mm-hmm. quick to point out that the dude is weird. Like they would tell <laughs> cops this later. I'm like, he's, he's a strange guy. It was not my favorite guy. <laughs> He also, I read this in only one article and I couldn't find more information about it, but apparently because he would come home late and usually with different women, he created a second entrance into his apartment. And I couldn't find out what that meant. Like, did he knock down a window and put in a door or did he just know how to like get in a window? Like he would just come in through a window instead of using the front door. I don't know what exactly it means, but apparently he would try to come in a different way to not disturb neighbors. Uh, As a woman, I would assume it would have to be another door. Yeah. Because if if somebody took me home and like took me through a window, I'd be like, it's a no for me, sir. And then I'd go home. (laughs) But like. Yep. Yep. It's true. And I have, there are pictures of his apartment, uh, but there's only two angles. So you can't see everything. So there could be a door or something. So around this time, the, the sort of the year or two after the war, a number of women went missing in the area, which you can also say, hey, it's Berlin post-war. Of course, there's right. missing women. Sure. But nowadays, it's important to point this out because 
almost every article you read about Grossman is there's all these missing women because he killed them all. Right. There's no there's no reason to say that he killed all these women. There's just there's right. missing women. And the theory is nowadays that he would bring all these women home that he'd meet at the train station and you know mm-hmm. they could be his housekeeper or whatever and he would chop them up, dump them into the into the water. The reason we think that that is a possibility is uh, it's a very real fact that there were women's p- pieces of bodies. There's no good way to say right. this. I'm trying to find like a yeah. nice, eloquent way to say it. There's just- <laughs> There's no nice way. <laughs> no, there's body parts being found in the canals and the, the Lusenstadt Canal and the right. reservoir. And one such missing woman, this is in October of 1920, 33-year-old Frida Schubert went missing. She had traveled to Berlin from Dresden and witnesses saw her propositioning men, desperate, you know, for money. She's she's of asking course, everybody yeah. to help her out. And she needed also a place to stay. On Between October 7th and 9th, 1920, the same year, Remains were found in the Lusenstadt Canal, excuse me, and it was later confirmed to be Frida Schubert. Okay, so I'm going to have Sarah read something I wrote about Frida Schubert. Go for it when you're ready. And I got to zoom in because these guys are old now. Let's do this. On October 16th, the Berliner Morgan Post reported that the killer had sawed through her bones with such brutality that her arm had been pulled from the shoulder and her heart had been pulled from her ribcage. As police investigated this horrific murder, a witness reported that they saw Frida with Carl Grossman the night she disappeared. Police hurried to question him and search his apartment. On October 21st, they searched his apartment and found Frida's handbag. Though this confirmed Grossman had interacted with Frida and invited her to his apartment, Grossman had an excuse for her handbag. Grossman had an excuse for her handbag being in his home, and without more evidence to prove otherwise, Grossman was let off the hook. Yeah. So we mm. we know we know Grossman killed her. Uh, I mean, I think it's I think we can jump to that conclusion. Right. I feel pretty pretty you know positive about that. It's so interesting to think that they, the police, literally had him in their sights, right. found the handbag in his apartment, and just nothing happened with it. I've read different accounts of what his excuse was. Yeah. One was that she like she had to go, so like she came in to be my housekeeper, and she was like late for something, so she just left and forgot right. her handbag. I um, think I f- I like listened to a podcast a long time ago about it. Mm. And one of them was like, he he saw a woman drop it and we, he was trying to be like the hero and try and find her to give it back. Right, it's like, right. like, okay, Carl, we definitely believe you. Exa- yes, yes. He's a very believable person. Good for him. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it, it is weird to think about it. And that, that also made me think about this. So it's 1920. This is, what, 30 years after Jack the Ripper? Is yeah, that, am I doing because that was 1889, I think. 18, yep, late 1880s. So yep. it's only about 30 years. You have the slums of Berlin, post World War. Right. Life is not very different than Whitechapel and in Jack right. the Ripper's era. Yeah. So for sure. and if you if you think about slums of towns, it's even the same in the modern world. Uh, police don't care. You know, I, right. I I honestly think maybe one of the reasons they let him go is like he has an excuse we can't really prove otherwise. So let's just go right. have lunch and do what we need to do because it, it's a lonely woman. She was poor. 
She was propositioning men recently. Like, we don't care about her. We don't care about this weird dude in this slummy apartment. So it's likely that they just may not have actually given it enough care. Well, I mean, there's like that current kind of theory in true crime of like the the people who are worth less, Mm -hmm. according to... I don't know, society or Howdy, law yeah. enforcement or whatever, but I'm not at all getting political or anything, but like, you know, a lot of serial killers prey on people that they think are less important. Absolutely. Like, and I th- that's just kind of human nature. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, you know, the, the history of policing also tells us that they just don't provide enough resources to investigate those, mm-hmm. those people as well. So I think that may have gone into the handbag situation uh, yeah. In this in this case, now in 1920 and 1921, there were 23 unsolved missing women's cases. If you read blogs and Reddit about this story, you would imagine there's like 800 missing women. There, but there are 23, which is still a lot, guys. It's still a lot right. of missing women. <laughs> yeah. Um. And and now that we have this Frida situation and her bits of her body being found in the canal, it's no wonder people just assume all these women were chopped up. And and fed into the river by Carl Grossman. Right. Though, again, that is highly unlikely that all of them were. So there are reports of other body parts, not just Frida, being found in in the Engelbecken mm-hmm. Reservoir, Lucenstadt Canal, and Grossman around this time. This is this is fun. Grossman becomes well known at the police station, and oh. not because of the Frida Schubert handbag, not because he's the weird guy that picks up women and could be killing them but because he would go in and complain about these women that would work for him and say that they were all stealing from him and then, and then disappearing, hightailing it out of town. Hmm. Hmm. Convenient. Convenient. He did this so much, the police got annoyed with him and were like, don't come in here, dude. Don't, don't do it. Uh, so that's one of my favorite parts of this story, that he was actually going to the police throughout this time. Uh, neighbors had reported that Grossman was being violent with women when he would bring them back to his, his apartment, but neighbors or excuse Mm -hmm. me, not neighbors, police didn't do anything again, related to the, it's the slums. No one cares about these people. Also the period of time, violence against women, not as cared about as, as it should be in 1929 or excuse me, 1921, 29 would be crazy. In 1921, (laughs) things changed for Carl Grossman, Uh, a woman named Marie Nietzsche, Similarly, young, desperate, need of food and money and a place to stay. She meets Grossman. I don't know if he, she met her at the train station or just around around this neighborhood, but they mm-hmm. meet. Apparently, he takes her out to like get some food and drinks. They return to his apartment late one night. And later, Grossman's neighbors begin hearing screams. And not I imagine <laughs> not a good sign. And I, I guess they've already complained about like, him being violent and hearing noises, I imagine right. this had to be louder and crazier than anything that had happened so far, or they're just fed up with it. And his landlord, Gertrude Grabowski, who lived right in the apartment right above uh, Grossman, actually called the police. They showed up, they busted into his apartment, and what they found is unique in the annals of serial killer stories, mm-hmm. which is they actually caught him in the act. He was in there. Oh, Nice dismembering Marie's body. She was already dead, unfortunately. Uh, Some accounts claim he was nude, but I don't always read that, so I'm not sure if that's true or not. Right. I wouldn't wouldn't doubt it by any means. Um, I mean, you 
don't have any evidence to hide of, I guess, if you just have to take a shower and not like hide clothes. And and if look, if we think about his history of sexual assault, I think part of this could be, you know, like a lot of serial killers, there could be a sexual aspect to to his violent acts. Right. So I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised, but I, I just could not confirm that he was actually nude when they showed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was arrested. He was arrested this time. Luckily, he wasn't just like, oh, she was in a hurry and tripped and fell onto yeah. the blade I'm holding <laughs> into pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she, he was arrested and the investigation found more evidence of more murders that had taken place in his apartment based on blood stains, And they suspected mm-hmm. four, four total murders. And press caught wind of this, and soon, because of Grossman's history as a butcher, stories begin to spread that he was hacking up the bodies, turning them into bratwurst, selling them at a hot dog stand by the train station. Again, as we've already talked about earlier, I think a lot of that is clickbait, the version of clickbait back then. They're just being sensational because, as we already know, he likely was not working as a butcher anymore. Um, Yes, Grossman's trial comes up. It's It's a sensation. Press is all over this. And Grossman didn't show much emotion. He claimed he killed people because they were stealing from him. That was his excuse. And the exact number of his victims remains unknown. There are estimates ranging wildly from four (laughs) to 25. And then I think soon after 25, it became like 50. And the truth is that we don't know because he committed suicide. Uh, I think right before he was sentenced, he committed suicide, hanging himself in his prison cell in 1922. Also at the same, I think it's at the same time, uh, Dinky, um, is it Carl? Carl Dinky? Another serial killer from the same time Mm -hmm. in Germany. He was killing homeless people and eating them. So it's not hard for me to make the jump of like newspapers having that going on. So also like, oh, Carl Grossman obviously had to be like eating people or feeding the meat or all of the above because that's just what these killers do right now. And I don't, I feel like I'm defending Carl Grossman. I'm not. I just, I'm trying to correct thoughts that he i mean cannibalism sells it does people (laughs) want to hear about cannibalism as gross and awful and horrific like we we love a good horror moment like there's a reason the business is what it is oh man so the suspected victims of carl grossman are uh the the ones that are most likely his victims are a woman named joanna sosnowski who was 24 melanie sump Somer, who was 21, Elizabeth Barthel, who was 25, Franziska Shemkovsky. I did a little better yeah. with that than I thought I would, who was 20. <laughs> and of course, Mary uh, Marie Nietzsche, who I mentioned, he was mm-hmm. she was the one he was killing. Those are the ones that most people say he definitely killed these women or most right. likely killed these women. But there are several misconceptions and myths that we have alluded to today that have surrounded the life and crimes of Carl Grossman, partly due to the sensational nature of the newspaper accounts and the era he lived in. And I thought I'd go over some of those myths and misconceptions today. Perfect. Love it. And we've already hit upon all these, but just because I, I love doing this stuff, here's, here's mm-hmm. what we're going to go with. Uh, the exact number of his victims. Please, if you're reading about serial killers, as I've been known to do for fun, and I know there are others like me, Sarah, I'm sure you're one of those. Mm -hmm. Raising hand over here. When you hear he killed 25, he killed 50 people, the police at the time suspected four. Right. It's so it's we don't we don't know that he killed any more than that. He very well could have. 
but we just don't know. And he is definitely linked to a few of those murders that I've mentioned. Uh, but yeah, there's just no, there's no thing. Also, you read that there's all these, all these body parts being found in the rivers. I only right. know of like two women with body parts being found in the river at the time. That's all I could like well, confirm. And you think too back then, like they didn't have DNA analysis. They didn't, they didn't have like fingerprinting. I don't think until, well, maybe by the time by then they did, but it's like, they just, this wasn't part of police investigation. So like, how do you even know what foot belonged to who? Or was it like right. a runoff foot from the war? Who knows? Like it just. A- absolutely. So just don't believe that all these women were chopped up and all of them were found and all of them were killed mm-hmm. by Carl Grossman. Uh, the other misconception is the cannibalism and meat selling, which we've already alluded to. There's no evidence that any of this ever happened, that he butchered right. people and made food out of them. It really became an urban legend. Like that is right. that is part of the the legend of Carl Grossman, but none of it is substantiated. His motive and psychological profile is also talked about a lot of times. Some people paint him as this purely evil, evil figure. He was just all evil. Mm-hmm. And but a lot of this comes from that time period with people writing about him because we didn't know a lot about criminal psychology or criminal profiling back then. So we actually don't know what his true makeup or psychological makeup is. It's very much like, again, 30 years after Jack the Ripper, we're all still debating the profile of Jack the Ripper. And I think Carl Grossman is is in that same batch where we just don't know. We don't know what his motives were. We don't know what happened to him over his life to turn him into this evil, evil person. Mm -hmm. The last thing is, uh, this isn't a misconception. It's just worth noting that Grossman's background and his upbringing, we don't know very much. I basically shared all of what we know tonight, which is not a lot. Right. He may have had a lot of siblings and may have been poor growing up. And that's kind of it. Like we don't actually know much else about his upbringing, his education, his family. All of it is, is very speculative. And none of that is to say that he wasn't a freaking awful, nasty, terrible, gross Grossman serial killer. Gross again, aptly named. You're gross, man, Carl. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, Carl Grossman is interesting to me because I, I believe, as I've mentioned again, but this like petri dish of the perfect scenario for a serial yep. killer to exist, which is the war and post-war right. area like Berlin at the time. Like societal chaos. Yeah. Like it's easy to fall through the, to slip through the cracks when there's yeah. so many other things that need fixing. So many other things need fixing. Easy to find victims. So yeah. many desperate, lonely people looking for a place to stay, needing food, put their life back on track. Yeah. Uh, also, where he lived, uh, not just the time period, but where he lived, he was able to get away with it because neighbors pretty much left him alone. Like people don't want right. to snitch. In that neighborhood, right. it took them a long time before they really got super concerned that one right. night. Um, is it was a perfect for a dude like him to get away with it for a while? Yeah, I always the thing that always baffles me about situations like these where there is being people being chopped into pieces or whatever, like the smell. Yeah, like if he was truly butchering people in his apartment. There are there are some anecdotal accounts where he people did complain about the smell and he would claim that it was okay. like a rotting chicken um yep. that he had. 
but you can only do that so much. Like what every day you got a rotting chicken? Like that's right. kind of bizarre. Also, and I guess I wanted- maybe while he was a butcher, he could have maybe said, Oh, well, yeah. Job, you know. Absolutely. Just comes with the job, but that's a good point. Also, like, ew. And like he had been arrested many times. Mm-hmm. I assume at some point prior to the murders and thing, or prior to him being taken for the murders, like police had to have gone to his house, right? No, maybe not. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I don't know because he he, he had all of his criminal activity was pre-war. And even mm-hmm. like I've already mentioned, it's actually hard to even oh, confirm yeah. all of that. So I don't know what kind right. of records are being shared. I don't, you know, the Berlin police are not thinking about an ex-con right. they're thinking about crime and rebuilding a city so right. I, yeah so i could see how they they never did until the frida Schub- schubert um her handbag situation mm-hmm. which they found evidence of at least four killings they suspect from bloodstains after they caught him in the act right so how how nice was his apartment when Schubert's handbag was found like it, it was not a nice apartment did they just not no. pay attention to anything in there like did they not look for or more again, than the handbag that area if he was living is that was that just the expectation that everybody was just living in filth and squalor maybe maybe could very well be it was a one room Wild. little little apartment um that did not look very nice so that could be it yeah. So, what did uh, did you learn anything today, Sarah? Now that we've I gone did. through Carl Grossman, yeah. So, I had very limited knowledge of Carl Grossman, other than like the sort of silly, like sausage stand stuff. Yeah, yeah. But and then I did when you said this. This was who you're going to do. I was like, I'm going to Google him. So I I can see his face. It's perfect nightmare fuel. Like he's yes, just a is. strange looking fella. Yeah, and yeah, he's not again. Like I just who I would not go. I would not have gone home or near a man that looks like that. He no, looks I like wouldn't. He's going to murder you. Which yeah, that it could does. Be, you know, secondhand. <laughs> like obviously, he looks like he's going to murder you. He murdered people, yeah. but like, I don't know. Yeah, scary guy. Are, you know, it's also just one more sort of interesting fact here is there are some women that were not killed that worked for him and stayed with him for a while and were his housekeeper right. a little bit. There are, because after she he, he was caught, you know, they went through, tried to find as many witnesses and testimonies as sure. they could. Yeah. And some women were like, oh yeah, he, I worked for him and, you know, I stayed with him one night and uh, I thought he was weird. So I left, uh, you know, and other people being like, I did. And I just told him it wasn't, you know, going to work out anymore and right. got away. So he wasn't killing every woman that came into the apartment. Um, yeah. some people were able to actually, whether it be they escaped just in time, like they had a nice excuse mm-hmm. or they got kind of lucky that could be very well be true. Um, but that also goes to show you that not everybody was as scared of him as I would be just by looking at the dude. Right. Yeah. Like, and yeah. I also wondered too, like, yes, he eventually was a murderer, but weren't his early things were all like child molestation and things yes. like that yes. and, and the sheep situation. But I wonder, like, did that just pass? I feel like that's not like no, child molesters I, don't just typically go like, mm, I'm good now. Like it usually That's a good is, like, point. He, he could have been doing a lot of other stuff that we just don't know about that was never right. found out. And, and that's that's a really good point because, you, you know, there's a progression with serial killers. They start with like animal mutilation generally right. or sexual assault or things like, or like that. And arson, it grows and grows yeah. and grows. 
until that first victim, the first kill victim, and then it right. goes from there. So he he could, I, I think he was likely committing a lot of crimes. Right. Uh, and the, the war, easy to get away with it during the war. And then yeah. he, he somehow, at some period of time, progresses to actually killing people. And, and right. it could have been those... 19, 20, 21, right in there when he was caught. It could have been all within that time period. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Um, but it, it could have started before that as well. So we just don't know. He was not mm-hmm. around long enough to find out. Because I do think he would have admitted stuff. Because like, that's oh, yeah. kind of normal. I do think he would have admitted yeah, to what, for sure. what he had been doing. He he's definitely strikes me as someone that would have done that. Um, yeah, fun times. So we got through Carl Grossman faster than I thought I would today. <laughs> and, but looking back on it, it kind of makes sense because mm-hmm. so much of it is speculative mm-hmm. that there's not right. a lot of angles to dive down. There's not a lot of canals yeah. where some body parts <laughs> are found to to go yuck, down. Yuck, yuck. Um, but I really appreciate your time, Sarah, being here and joining me for this. Uh, and everybody should check out True Crime ABC's podcast. Yeah, come Yeah, is there us. anything else you want people to know about the show or anything else you're doing? Um, not really. I mean, we're, if you guys want to check us out on social media or whatever, we're at True Crime ABC Podcast. Um, it is, again, my childhood best friend and I talking about murders and stuff. And it's usually pretty funny. Well, and I you are going to. You are going to start the alphabet over again once you get through, correct? Yes, we are. So we've got four more episodes this season. And then the plan is to restart with, again, still the alphabet, obviously, because it's like in the name. But um, (laughs) the plan is to come at it with a different theme for the next season. Mm Mm-hmm. And and obviously you're invited to come join us. Oh, I would love to. That'd be so much fun. Whatever letters you so choose. Um, but yeah, so our next season, we're maybe thinking locations, ABC locations, maybe oh, yeah, that's nice. of true crime. So, yeah. um, that's sort of just like the game plan for right now. And we're going to start recording season two, probably end of May, early June. Sweet. Um, so we're pretty excited. Yeah. Well, I am too. So everybody, please check that out. Thank you again for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to A Study of Strange. If you enjoy the show, please take a quick second to make sure that you subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform. Another way to support the show, and also just if you enjoy strange content, is to check out our new Substack, which you can find through our website, astudyofstrange.com. In the support tab, we'll take you right over to that. If you subscribe, you get additional content, audio content, and a lot of articles, blogs, whatever you the kids call those things nowadays that cover all sorts of strangeness and the library on that site is only going to grow week by week so i really encourage you to check it out thank you so much until next time i'm michael may good night